Well, thank you all for being here this evening. I've been pastor here for about six and a half years, and Father Neil Monrock was the one who was pastor that built this church, and there's two themes that are found here. If we had the sun out tonight, uh, you see all the light coming through the windows, and we know that Jesus Christ is uh, the light of the world, and obviously we have our water in the middle of the church here then that we have adult on baptism in, and water is pretty basic to Christianity at the same time. That unless we're born of water and the Holy Spirit, uh, there's nothing else in life. So let me begin with a little reflection and prayer. The evangelist St. John writes in his gospel that shortly before Jesus was to die, he said to his disciples, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains a single grain. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. While Jesus was talking here about his own suffering, death, and resurrection, that is his paschal mystery, our faith teaches us that we all share in that mystery. We hear about that mystery this evening through the words Renee Bondi. Renee, welcome to St. Elizabeth Ann Seton Parish and to the Cedar Rapids metro area. Thirty years ago, Renee Bondi had a bizarre accident that left her a quadriplegic and permanently confined to a wheelchair. Despite tremendous challenges today, Renee is a gifted Catholic recording artist, author, who crisscrosses America, sharing how God has been faithful to her, even in times of adversity. Renee has performed several times at youth World Youth Day celebration with now St. John Paul and has twice been the keynote speaker to over 20,000, 28,000 teens at the National Catholic Youth Conference. She has been a presenter at many religious conferences and at many parish-wide events. Renee has appeared on several radio programs including It's a Miracle, The Hour of Power, and EWTN's Life on the Rock. Renee's Bondi's music and message has truly melted hearts and changed lives. And I also thank her husband is with us tonight. And we greatly appreciate you coming tonight. Thank you. I'm sorry, his first name is Michael, which is the same name my brother's. So now, I would like all of us please to stand up and give a warm welcome to Miss Renee Bondi. Well, good evening. Good evening. It is a privilege to be with all of you this evening. That is for sure. I've been asked to share with you a bit of my story, how I got in this wheelchair, but much more importantly, what the Lord's been doing with it and through it ever since. When I was 29 years old just a few years ago, I know, <laughs> life was great. Life was wonderful. I had a super job. I was teaching vocal music, choir, at San Clemente High School, San Clemente, Southern California, Surf City, USA. We were number one in the state for surf team. I'm realizing that you don't have a surf team here in Cedar Rapids. Um, number one in the state for swim team, number two in the state for water polo, 
But our football team stunk. <laughs> we were absolutely awful. But because you literally could walk to the beach from San Clemente's uh, campus, water sports ruled, as they say. Well, when I started there, there was only 18 in the whole choir program, which really tells you where Bach and Brahms and Mozart were on the priority list of Sif dude, sang the many. But just like anything, when you really love it, plant it, water it, fertilize it. It's going to grow. And within, within two years, the program had grown to 150 students and now was really on the rise. I share with you that story of the 150 students because that number is going to have some significance tonight as the story unfolds, all right? You have to remember that I had 150 students at the time of my injury, all right? Didn't know there was going to be a test here, huh? Love life was awesome. I was engaged to a great guy by the name of Mike. I was all excited about our wedding that was coming up in two months. Everything from, from uh, the final fitting of the bridal gown to the music to, for the liturgy to the food for the reception to pick it up the bridesmaids' dresses. I was right smack in the middle of it all, being just two months before our wedding. Plus, I was marrying my best friend, and I was really excited about our future together. Walk with the Lord was good. I had always included him on all the big things of my life, what college to go to, who to marry, but did I really include him on all the little itty-bitty things, the, the waking up in the morning and saying, okay, God, what you got planned for me today? Or, oh, man, Lord, I got a list, a to-do list a mile long. How in the world am I going to get it done today? Will you please help me get it done? Did I really do that at 29 years old? No, I didn't. So... Walk with the Lord was okay, but could have been better. Work was great. Love life was awesome. Then came one night in the middle of May. Just the night before, Mike, my fiancé, had flown into town to be my date. To be my date to the prom. We had been asked to chaperone Sacramento High School's prom. So Mike had taken me to dinner before we went to the prom and surprised me with my rock with my engagement ring and I was blown out of the water because it really was a rock and even though we had been engaged for a whole year he wasn't able to afford my my rock my engagement ring and so he'd been making payments on it made the final payment on it brought it that night surprised me with it at dinner so we had a very romantic dinner and then we went to the prom <laughs> the next day he flew back to Denver I went over to the high school to conduct the orchestra in the spring musical, and this was truly a banner day because it was a sold-out crowd, and trust me, to get those surfers off the beach and into the theater on the middle, on a Sunday afternoon in the middle of May, this was definitely a banner day. I went to bed that night so excited about my life, so excited about my future, The next thing I know, I woke up in the middle of the night out of a sound sleep 
standing on the end of my bed, diving headfirst off the end of my bed. I woke up the split second before falling. I thought, huh? Bam. Hit my head on the ground, heard my neck finished the flip, laying flat on my back, my feet halfway in the closet, my head up against the dust ruffle of my bed, boom! And I thought, oh man, now I've done it. I just thought I had royally kinked my neck. That's all. So I was really still half asleep. I went to get up to go back to bed, and as I did, I rolled over on my left shoulder. As I rolled over on my left shoulder, the right side of my neck, I felt, <clears throat> oh. The pain threw me back on my back. I thought, woo, I can't get up that way. So I tried another way to get up. This time, rolling over on my right side. As I rolled over on the right side, the left side of my neck, I felt, <clears throat> oh. The pain threw me back on my back. I thought, oh, man. Now, I realized I needed some help to get up, which puts a whole new meaning to that old commercial. <laughs> you know that, I fall and I can't get up commercial. <sighs> I hate that commercial. <laughs> it's totally me. Well, I needed some help to get up. So. I went to holler for my roommate, Dorothy, who was a single mom raising her 12-year-old daughter at the time. And as I hollered out for Dorothy, all that came out was, Dorothy, was a whisper. And I thought, come on, you're a singer. You teach breathing. I took another breath from way down below. Oh, Dorothy. And again, all that came out was a whisper. And now I was scared because I knew there was no way that Dorothy was going to hear me. But within about two minutes, maybe three minutes, I heard, Renee, Renee. The door opened to my bedroom. The light goes on. Dorothy sees me on the floor and says, what are you doing on the floor? It's 2 o'clock in the morning. I said, I don't know, but it's my neck. I did something serious. I don't know what's going on here. She stared at me on the floor, and I take it as no coincidence that Dorothy's a nurse. She was already sizing me up. She could see that all the color was drained from my face, that I was really complaining of the pain in my neck, and my voice had been reduced to a whisper. She added those three things up, picked up the phone, called 911. When the paramedics came, she met them outside saying, I don't know how she did it, but I think she might have broken her neck. So they came in, did all the checking. They were already tickling my feet to get a response from me. Didn't bother me at all. I already was paralyzed from the chest down. I didn't know it yet, because every time I tried to get up, this pain got hold of me. The rest is history. I had broken my neck at cervical vertebrae four, leaving me quadriplegic, quad meaning all four limbs, 
completely paralyzed. Nobody was more surprised than me. The doctors said that I would never walk again, that I would never have functional use of my hands again. They also said that I would never sing again. Hmm. To this day, we still don't know what happened. I don't have any sleep, any kind of history of sleepwalking or any history of any kind of disease that would cause a seizure. The only thing we can think of is that I must have been having some sort of a dream where I was diving, which still makes no sense to me because I was no jock before this and to be doing some Mexico cliff diving thing makes no sense to me. But that's literally the position I was in when I awoke. I was in the hospital, Long Beach Memorial Hospital, for five months. Now, Long Beach is right next to Los Angeles. You don't know where one starts and the other one ends. It's just one big old slab of cement. And I was in Long Beach Memorial for five months. And I have to tell you that there was a time when I was in the hospital when I could not pray. I knew I was supposed to. I was raised in a very strong Catholic home. I'm a product of Catholic school, kindergarten through 12th grade. I knew where I needed to go when I was in trouble. I had a personal relationship with Jesus. But this is what would happen when I'd go to pray. And I wonder if any of this happens to you in your prayer time. It seems that I always woke up about 4 o'clock in the morning in the hospital, and I'd start praying, God, I don't know what's going on here, Lord, but this is big. This is really big Mike, my fiancé. How can he stay with me? I'm not the woman he was going to marry. What kind of wife can I be? Can I even be a mom? Oh, that's right. I was praying. Lord, you've got the power. You've got the miracles. Heal me, Lord. You can do this. Mom and dad. Ugh. They looked horrible when they came in last night. They're so upset. Oh, that's right. I was praying. Father God, if it's not your will to heal me, then please just take this pain away. Please just take this pain away. My students, my kids, who's going to direct them? We've got a concert coming up. I was praying. Does that ever happen to you? Please say yes. I could not stay focused in prayer for probably more than 10 seconds max before my mind would just take off and go. And then it was interesting, about four months into the hospital stay, Again, I was trying to pray, and my mind would go to the dripping of the IV, or I'd hear the nurses out in the nurse's station. And then all of a sudden, in my head came, Be not afraid, I go before you always come, follow me, and I will give you rest.
right. Right. Are really going to laugh this way? Blessed are you that weep and mourn, for one day you shall laugh. Right. I'm really going to laugh this way. I can't even move. Be not afraid. I go before you always come. Follow me and I will give you Hmm. I really want a bagel. I hope they bring a bagel in the morning because I'm really hungry. And that's about as far as I could go. Then it was interesting. A couple weeks later, again, in the early morning hours, when it was just me and my Lord, everybody else was gone. The doctors, the nurses, my mom, my dad, my sisters, my brother, my fiance, my students. This next song came into my head, a song I had sung hundreds of times as a cantor at our parish. But I have to tell you, I wasn't asking for any church song at the time. So it didn't take me long to figure out what was going on. Somebody was talking to me. Be not afraid, Renee. I go before you always, Renee, come follow me and I will give you rest. And I will raise you up on eagle's wings. Not some little wussy bird, but on eagle's wings, one of the most powerful birds. Hmm. And I'll never forget how about just a couple weeks before I was going to be discharged from the hospital, this next song came into my head. And I realized, hmm, hmm. Finally, the conversation had become two-way instead of the Lord talking to me in those hymns that he was using to get back into my head. Now, finally, I could start talking with him at length. And it came through this song. Again, another song that I used to sing at Mass often. So I believe the real reason why I was invited to be with you this evening. Yes, it could have been CEO's idea. It could have been, yes. But the real reason why the Lord invited me here tonight is to tell you or simply remind you that there's no such thing as coincidence. There's no such thing as coincidence in God's world. And allow me to share with you why I believe that to be true. Number one, there is no way that Dorothy could have heard me when I called out to her. We lived in a two-story condominium. She lived upstairs, I lived downstairs. My bedroom door was closed, and I hollered out with no microphone. Dorothy. Now, 
Some of my non-believer friends, my friends that really don't believe in God say, well, I don't know. She might have woken up when she heard the thud. To which I say, thank you very much. <laughs> my hips are big, but give me a break. All right. So I say, because you need to meet your, you your non-believer friends right where they are, truly. So I said, all right, maybe the house shook when I hit the ground. But what explains Dorothy waking up, ding, wide awake? She said she woke up wide awake, sat up in bed. She had no clue why. But she was wide awake suddenly. She thought she heard something. She got out of bed, saw it was 2 o'clock in the morning, thought, Renee wouldn't be on the phone at 2 o'clock in the morning. She walked downstairs, opened up my bedroom door, and found me. Dorothy believes very strongly that the Holy Spirit woke her up. She said, I had no clue why I was walking down the stairs, much less open up your bedroom door. And I didn't know Dorothy very well. I was only living there just for a couple months before our wedding. I'd been living with two girlfriends of mine, and one of my, one of my roommates got married in January. I didn't think Debbie and Tim wanted me living with them their first couple months of, of uh, marriage. And so I had asked around for somebody if I could just stay uh, room with them for a couple months before our wedding. So I didn't know Dorothy very well. So she said, for me to just open up your bedroom door, I didn't know you very well, at 2 o'clock in the morning, how weird is that? Hmm. Number two, I'm the youngest of four children. The oldest is Danny, and then Michelle, then Denise, and then me. Denise is a nurse, Michelle, a dental hygienist, Danny, a mechanic. All three of my siblings were all reading careers to help with my every need down to fixing my feet, my wheelchair, and flossing my teeth. Now, on first listening, you might be thinking, well, good for her. She had a lot of support. And yes, I did. And for that, I'm very grateful. But remember, I'm the musician in the family. If this had happened to my sisters or my brother, what was I going to do to help? Pick up my guitar, go lang, 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 sing him a song? That might make them feel better for five or six minutes, but if any of you know paralysis, you know that we need practical help. You need somebody there to make sure you don't get that bladder infection that eventually goes to kidney infection that eventually can be fatal. You need somebody there to fix your wheelchair because it's the only way that you can get out of bed and be productive. And all three of my siblings were already in careers to help with every bit of my need. And we all lived within 10 minutes of each other. How many of us here have siblings that live all around the country for that matter, let alone right here? Yes. Hmm. Number three, Mike, my fiance, was living in Denver at the time, as I said. When he got the phone call, he was on the next flight home. When he realized how serious it was, he wasn't going back to Denver. He had to find a job in Southern California. The company he was working for had only two facilities in California. One up in the Bay Area, which is Northern California, and the other one in Long Beach. Where did I spend my five months of rehab? Everyone, say that out loud. Long Beach. Good, you were listening. So, 
again, on first listening, you think, all right, so what's the big deal? So he was placed in Long Beach. Raise your hand if you've ever lived or visited the Los Angeles area. Many of you, which is why you probably live in Cedar Rapids, okay? <laughs> you all know LA traffic. You know it to be the worst in the country. If Mike was placed in any other city but the same, exact same city, there'd be no way that he could come on a 30-minute lunch break and feed me lunch. It takes you that long to get across town. Or come right before work to feed me breakfast. Come right after work. So we could keep our communication going. Where are you at with this? I don't know, where are you at with this? Mike could have told me until he was blue in the face over the telephone that he was not going to leave me. But I needed to see his eyes. Because we all know that the eyes really are the window to the soul. We don't have thunder too often in Southern California. <laughs> I just have to stop and go, we're good here. I'm right by the altar, I'm good. All right. Okay. If Mike had been placed in any other city but the same city, there's no way that he could have get, been there that often. Do you know that one year after I got out of the hospital, Mike and I got married. Yes, I was in the wheelchair, and yes, there was not a dry eye in that church. <laughs> there wasn't. But oh. <laughs> praise God and praise Mike, for sure. And um, even our pastor couldn't start Mass. Um, when we got down the aisle, he just couldn't. I just get choked up thinking about that. Um, he just couldn't. Um, he was an amazing, amazing, amazing man. And I know our priesthood is getting a bad rap right now because of a couple really, really bad guys. But there are excellent, wonderful priests out there. And Monsignor Martin was definitely one for us, um, for sure. And um, so, anyway, I just went on a rabbit trail, which is there for a moment. Okay, <laughs> let, me, let me pull it back. So, I tell you, that the fact that the Lord placed him, he could have been placed anywhere in California, but the fact that he was placed in the exact same city allowed Mike's action to equal his word when he said he was not going to leave me. And if there's any uh, single people here, I see some young people here, some of the 20-something crowd, I tell you right now, don't settle. Don't settle for junk in your boyfriends, and in your girlfriends. Because you never know when that relationship is going to be tested to the max. If you had ever told me that my boyfriend turned fiancé because they start as boyfriends, if you had ever told me that my boyfriend was going to have to help me put my bra on, <laughs> I would have said, yeah, yeah, right, and I'm sorry, Father, but I had to go there just for a moment. If you had ever told me that my boyfriend, because they start as boyfriends, turn fiance, turn husband, was going to have to help me at times use the bathroom, and I don't mean just show me where the bathroom is, I would have said, yeah, right. Don't settle. I'm so grateful that I didn't. Number four, 
I wanted to go back to teaching so badly I could taste it. But I thought, how in the world can I teach this way without the use of my hands and my feet? There was no way I was going to be a choir director of a school to be able to do that. One day, sweet Monsignor Martin, my pastor, came over and said, hey, why don't you come be the youth choir director at the church? And I started crying. There's no way I can't do it. There's no way. By the time I get the page of the music turn, the song will be over. There's no way. There's no way. And I'm crying. And he says, well, we'll just get you a couple volunteer parents. They can come sit right next to you. They can turn the pages for you. They'll pass out the music to kids. Hey, we'll even have them drive you from your house to the church. Baby steps. One hour a week. Let's just try it. So I tried it. How many students do you think I had my very first year, everyone? A hundred and... The exact same number that I had at the high school before I got hurt. And I'll never forget the day that I realized it. 150 was that number, was my goal at the high school to build it up, and I had hit it right before I got hurt. And so when that day... One of the choir moms put the roll book on my lap because I was counting up, making sure we had enough sweatshirts for, um, for our choir. And I was counting up 147, 48, 49, 150. And it was a round number, the exact same number. And I remember looking up thinking, you are one detail-oriented God. <laughs> I know there are times when we wonder if God exists. We wonder. Let's say you have a super important decision to be made. Ooh, there it goes. A really important decision to be made. And you're totally willing to do God's will. You just don't know what it is. So you'd love to get a FedEx letter delivered right to your house saying, Dear Renee, do this love, comma, God. And you do it because it was very clear. Well, I have to tell you that 150 students was that FedEx letter saying, I am here. I am with you. Be not a I had a friend when I was 19 years old. Her name was Julie, Julie Turner. And she was from Greenville, Mississippi. And she had this cool way of talking all the time. She also had this amazing faith for being 19 years old. She would say things to me like, Renee, the Lord told me to give you this book and read chapter three. And I'd think, really? What's his voice sound like? Is it a low voice? Is it a high voice? Does he have an accent? Probably should. He's from the Mideast. Now, I would never ask these questions out loud, but that's what I was thinking inside. Well, God doesn't talk to me. I don't hear a voice. But what I've come to understand is that all these God incidences was the voice... The, the voice of the Lord saying, I'm here, I'm with you, be not afraid. Number five, and there are many more, but in the interest of time, I'll just share this one more with you. This is the one that blows me out of the water because it's ongoing. A couple months before my injury, and the key word here is before. A couple months before my injury, some sweet ladies at our parish asked if I would make a recording of songs that I always used to sing at Mass that seemed to help them get through their difficult times. So I started the recording project, and wham! Right after we started it, I have my injury, and I'm the one needing to hear the music of encouragement. 
that I was recording. Well, remember my voice was reduced to the whisper, right? And that's because I'd broken cervical vertebrae four. If I'd broken three, two, or one higher up on my neck, I'd be on a ventilator, a breathing machine, because three, two, or one, now your diaphragm is paralyzed. So you need a machine to help you breathe. How frightening is that? But I broke the neighbor. So my diaphragm still worked, but all the muscles around my diaphragm no longer work, were paralyzed. So that's why I could talk, but it was really a whisper. Obviously, I wasn't finishing any recording project unless it was going to be a Marilyn Monroe CD or something. <laughs> Mr. President. So that was not going to work. Until about four years later, a really good friend of mine, Jim May, phenomenal musician, stopped by and said, hey, when are we going to finish that CD we started? And I said, I don't know, I can't. My voice isn't very strong. It's coming back a little, but it's not very strong. And he goes, well, let's just try it. He goes over to the piano in my living room, sits down, and starts playing. Be not afraid. I go before you always come. Follow me, and I will give you rest. Woo! <gasps> Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I really can sing again. Oh my gosh, I really can. Oh my gosh. Oh. Was that me? That sounded pretty good. And here we started crying. This 40-year-old man stands up from the piano, walks over, dumps his head in my lap, and we just bawled crying. Well, I have to tell you that there is uh, some significance to Jim playing that song that day. Jim is one of the most phenomenal musicians in the country. He was the music director and conductor of Beauty and the Beast on Broadway in New York, Les Miserables on Broadway in New York, The Lion King in LA. How I know him is that many, many years ago, we traveled in a national singing group called The Young Americans, from which I know Evan Geyer, who is from Cedar Rapids. Where are you, Deacon? All right, that's how I know Cedar Rapids. It's from Evan, our sound guy, that was on the road with us at that um, tour. And we played on that tour, um, I played uh, Maria in the vignettes of uh, The Sound of Music. So think of the wealth of repertoire this guy had to choose from that day in my living room. He could have just as easily chosen something like, I don't know, um, high on the hills and lonely golden lady, oh, lady, oh, lady, oh, right? Or the hills are alive with the sound of music, right? But instead, he chose be not afraid. Hmm. We ended up finishing that CD. It was titled Inner Voice because it's a song that I believe the Lord used to get back into my head. My husband, Mike, wanted to make 3,000 copies. And I said, yeah, right. Who's going to buy this thing? Just the sweet little old ladies that go to daily mass, and there's only about 15 of them. And he said, no, when I pray about it, the number 3,000 keeps coming to my mind. Being a good wife, I said, yes, dear, thinking, we're going to take this bank loan to our grave. We're going to be giving these CDs away for Christmas presents the rest of our life. Well, do you know that we sold out of the, thir the first 3,000 in just a couple months? There was such a demand for a, se uh, a second CD We've made numerous reorders. 
To date, we've recorded six different CDs of music for encouragement, and the prophet pays for my attendant care, the person that comes every morning to help me get out of bed, shower, and um, get on with my day. Our God, yours and mine, is a very practical God. Think about it. There's no way that Dorothy could have heard me. All my siblings were all reading careers to help with my every need. Mike gets transferred to the same city. I get 150 students, and our financial needs are covered. Our God, yours and mine, is a very practical God. He is, and I know if we believe he exists, we think he is only in that beautiful sunset or, or that beautiful mountain scene or up here on that altar. And yes, although he is present in all of those things, I'm here to remind us all that he's right here in our everyday life. We just have to stop blowing him off. There is a scripture that speaks so loudly to me. It comes from the book of Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. It has become my life verse. And I encourage you to find a life verse. Memorize it and hold on to it throughout your life. My number one strength is Jesus Christ. Coming up behind him is my husband, Mike. Come on up. Please, uh, may I introduce to you Mike Bondi. Don't settle. Don't settle. God bless you, Cedar Rapids. Thank you so very, very much for having me. Keep your eyes up. Thank you. I just remembered something right now. I'm so sorry. There are our board of directors at Bondi Ministries, they must roll their eyes at me every day. I'm just realizing I forgot to share with you. We have an amazing prayer team at Bondi Ministries. Amazing. We're gonna meet next Tuesday. And so with those white cards that were passed out, feel free to fill out. Um, thank you. And there's more in the back if you need. Um, prayer requests because I have a group of 12 ladies, I find it ironic that it's 12, mm -hmm. um, that are very, very strong prayer warriors. And they will commit to praying a minimum five times a week um, for the whole month for you. So if you have any prayer requests, feel free to fill that out. If you want more information about what we do, flip the other side out. Prayer requests is most important though. Okay, God bless you and thank you. Thank you.